there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Ford. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are, I wish I could give LeBron James my high ankle, whatever that is, friend. I am Jay Foreman, your uh, gloom and doom uh, co-host, as I look outside and see the uh, rain coming down on my house right now. Man, listen, I... I'm t- like, I feel like <laughs> the weather has come up a lot on like every podcast that I've been listening to that's based here in Nebraska. But I feel like we're all going through it uh, because I, I feel like, what was it now, two weeks ago when we had that 70 and sunny week where I was out just kind of walking the neighborhood, having a good time. I thought spring had sprung a little early and we just been on a roller coaster ever since then. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's uh, even a few days when it was really nice out, we got uh, to the point that where it was like you know forty or fifty mile an hour winds, so that ruins it. So um, you know the weather in Nebraska in the springtime. I think everybody was. I think we just went overboard when we had those you know three or four really good days. But anytime you don't see the sun here in Nebraska, you you I think it's I think it's the fearfulness of the negative forty uh, <laughs> degrees and, and negative sixty we had for those two days. Yeah, I definitely still have that in my mind because every time the temperature drops a little bit, I, I get a little little tingle thinking we about to have to go back out there because I don't want to like I could go a whole nother year without having some anything close to that. Because uh, like right after that, when we got that next bit of snow, I just refused to go out there and shovel it like I was like, I'm not doing it. Um, so I definitely understand if people feel some type of way about this weather. Yeah, it's one of those things I remember texting that one time. He said, if it, if it keeps snowing, he's just going to leave it in God's hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, we, you know, that's just the way it is sometimes. We've got to, you know, let, let nature take its course. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, we hope we, you know, it's something that we want to talk about 20 years from now in a, in a, in a warmer climate where, we, a climate where we can say, man, back in Nebraska, it was negative 60 for like a week. We couldn't go outside. Uh, but definitely not in 2021, especially after a long year and still battling with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, listen, we are before we get into coach speak, we are, we always keep it real on the show, kind of keep you all in the loop of what's happening. Uh, so right off top, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off on something because uh, we appreciate everybody who's been listening, who's been rocking with us and sharing the show. So I'm going to keep you all in the loop. Uh, today is actually going to be the final episode of season one of the podcast. Um, Jay has had a, a good opportunity come up that he's earned, and I'll let him share kind of what that is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, just with the volunteer role that uh, at, at the university, I think it's just, you know, better, um, you know, just, a, you know, we're going to take a pause and focus, let me focus on that. You know, I'll still be around. I mean, I'll, I'll still, you know, me and you will still do some, you know, stuff here and there, uh, just on a consistent basis. I think that uh, my decision to do so uh, wasn't anything, anything that, you know, was I was made to do, but I think that with the other factors of, 
other uh, media members throughout the state. I, I, I'm definitely going to, you know, I'm going to uh, do the right thing. So therefore I'm not uh, in their crosshairs and try to bring me into their, their nonsense, I guess. That's, I mean, that's a, the best politically way, politically correct way to say it. So, um, so it's just one of those things for, you know, right now I think it's the best to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not gone, but, you know, just to take it a pause right now, especially with spring ball coming up. Um, you know, I got, you know, my, you know, trying to help out the university the best I can. It's not a full-time job. Uh, so I'm not coaching. Um, but you know, my main focus is try to help the university and the kids. And so in order to do so is to take a pause for, for a little while. And, uh, definitely with the, you know, couple that with, uh, some other factors that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, UI or anybody like that. There's some other, other, other people that I, I definitely, you know, want to, you know, keep it arm's length. So it's, uh, you know, one of those things and it's, uh, you know, it's been great And the response of podcasts that, you know, it, it's been outstanding. People look forward to it. So it's something that we'll, you know, continue to do. And I always say whether, whether when there's a will, there's a way. And sometimes you got to readjust. It's like, we, uh, you know, we, we might, we, we came out of the blocks, like where the, um, you know, where, you know, like the new England Patriots and we need to, uh, you know, readjust to the, um, you know, the season and reevaluate, and then we get to come back with more dominance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's funny because we're going to talk about the Patriots here in a minute. Um, but just so you guys know, uh, we're going to put a pause on it for sure for next week, and then I will be back kind of the week after kind of to see if we keep this thing rolling. Um, and then, like like Jay said, like he, he is paused but not forgotten. He, he is still around, um, and we'll kind of see how things shake out in the future. Um, but there's definitely, like, no beef or anything like that. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, not a, yeah, not a yeah. situation where I'm fighting my man over here or anything like that. Um, so we'll we'll be back in some shape or form in the future. We just need to kind of hit a little bit of a pause on this form of the show um, for right now. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely no beef. I mean, this has been uh, I'll say this has been enlightening because it, it's uh, it's it's you know two dudes doing good good work. So it's uh, you know it's kind of you know the I was you know I wouldn't say sad that part there's worse things that could happen but uh you know definitely no beef it's not like we're you know going to be out there trolling each other or anything like that <laughs> it, it definitely you know the thing has been truly supportive of each other even before this and even you know will continue um so it's just one of those things that uh you know i just got to do what i got to do and it, and you know what's the great thing about it is, is is and this is totally different you know sometimes you have experiences with people you know whether it's businesses or you know like you you know like one time in high school I had to transfer in, you know, high school to get a better opportunity for me to go get earn a scholarship because my dad was like, dude, if you don't get a scholarship, I ain't, you ain't going to one of these big universities. You're going to be going to like Norman Duck Community College. And, you know, there was some, you know, one of my best friends, he was like, man, I support you. We're always going to be best friends. We're still best friends to this day. And then you had some people that were salty because, you know, for their, you know, uh, you know, for, for their selfish reasons, they didn't, you know, they didn't see why I was going to transfer and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So when you kind of like look at it, this situation, you know, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you, you know, when we talked about it, maybe kind of knew it. And, uh, and then, you know, kind of, we talked about it and talked about it and it's been supportive and it's not like I wouldn't, you know, won't be around. So it's not like, uh, you know, I'm moving out of state or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, time is everything and just the time for me to, you know, try to, you know, do my due diligence. Uh, 
you know, down with the team. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because what you made me think of when you were saying that is I do end every podcast by saying don't be a hater. Um, I live that. I'm not a hater. I would never be like, you know, downplay somebody having any type of opportunity, especially a friend of mine. So that that's never going to be an issue for me. Uh, but shifting gears here, each week we uh, have some segments, as you guys know, that are mainstays of the show. Um, the first one is Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach or player or a talking head said, and then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach, speak to real talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of Patriots owner Robert Kraft after his team's huge spending spree in free agency. I feel like every time I got an alert from Adam Schefter, it was about the uh, Patriots spending some money. And Kraft said this um, to Football Morning in America, quote, it's, in, it's like investing in the stock market. You can take advantage of corrections and inefficiencies in the market when you can, and that's what we did here. We'll see. Nothing is guaranteed, and I'm very cognizant of that, but we're not in the business just to be in the business. We're in the business to win. So, Jay, what did Robert Kraft really mean? Oh, he said, look, we, we, we let y'all have your fun last year, but now we now you guys have been made us mad, so now we're gonna really go out there and spend some money, and we're coming back with a vengeance because we are all are about winning, and that that's that's great because sometimes I think there's teams in the NFL that go out and spend money just so that it looks like they're trying to do something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Versus Robert Kraft is out there really trying to do something, and uh, and they're they're trying to get the right guys. Now I will say this: over the years, the Patriots. And there's, you know, when they went out and got uh, Adelius Thomas from the Ravens, it never really worked out. And I think that was more of a personality type of thing versus a, a playmaking type of deal. But I think they've learned from that. So I think they went out and strategically got guys and they had a pretty penny, pretty penny for it that fit into the system that, that they know that works, that's helped them win, you know, seven Super Bowls and always be in the AFC championship and win the NFC East. Um, I think the defense is going to be back. So I think that what they what they're doing is they're putting everybody on notice that we spent a little money and it's going to pay off. And we're going to you know, we're going to hit big on these stocks that we got. And they felt like they got, you know, a, a, you know, triple A stocks. And so time will tell. And uh, there's a team that if there's ever a team that can turn it around and uh, make true of their word or their statement, it's it's, it's Robert Kraft and the uh, New England Patriots. I think they've been kind of looking forward to it. If you, you look, even I even when you look at it, how they picked up or when they picked up Cam Newton, brought them back, they're trying to reinvent themselves and they're and they, they're looking at it as a challenge. And they know part of a challenge when you're running a business and, and running something like this, um, that you, uh, you know, there's things that you got to do in order to, uh, you know, be ahead of the curve and be successful. And so that's what they're trying to do. Get guys in there that fit their system and then go on and, and uh, you know, get back up to their winning ways. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because a couple of things kind of came to mind, like watching them spend this money and then definitely seeing this quote um, from Robert Kraft in that, uh, first of all, it's weird because like I don't people hate the Patriots. Like there's no like full stop. Like it's not like nobody's hiding that um, outside of Sasha. Um, thankfully, producing this pod like people hate the Patriots. Right. And so I think it's weird because after last year even though saying like what they went through what they went through was seeing their former superstar and legend win a super bowl somewhere else like in a way it a 
I think kind of gave Belichick and Kraft a little bit of extra juice, right? To like kind of, because they, I mean, they've done a lot in the sport, right? So it's every once in a while, you need to have that little extra push. Um, no matter how successful or driven you are, you need that push. So I think that that helps them. But then on the other side, and this is what relates to people hating them, like it's going to be a little weird because now they almost get to be a little bit of a comeback story, right? Like, can, like and, and I could see more, like not, everybody rooting for them because there's always going to be people spygate whatever um that just don't like them but i could see more people rooting for them to have a bounce back this next season just because you know and it's just kind of an old um axioms right about what happens in america basically where people hate you when you're on top but then you take a little tumble and people end up rooting for you to come back a little bit and i could see that happening for them which will put them in a really weird position um, being like seeing how much they've won over recent history. Yeah. And look, it's funny. It's like they, people want you to to build up and, and win and then they get mad that you win too much. It's the weirdest thing ever. And so that's where the Patriots are fighting. They're fighting their own legacy and their own, you know, their own greatness in, in a way. So it's, it's just one of those things that they're going to have to deal with. And, and I think they're going to use it as motivation. If, look, if there's ever a team that would take, you know, some sort of minute motivation is to come back and everybody's against us and find some reason for them not to, uh, you know, be respected or anything like that. It's the New England Patriots. So they're, they're going to, you know, take it, use it as fuel and uh, come back. And I'm assuming uh, going to be back in the, you know, the, the title hunt because they are a team that's, you know, generally – uh, been successful when they're very, very motivated. And, uh, you know, when they get a chance to, you know, stomp on you, they do a good job. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, too, because, like, whether or not they're done kind of adding pieces, like what ends up ultimately happening with quarterback. I know they paid Cam Newton double digits uh, in the millions. Um, but even he gets to kind of now be a little bit of a comeback story um, after he was so polarizing to people for whatever reason. Um, and so it, it, it just will make for, like, that storyline of what happens with the Patriots. When people, we get back around the NFL season um, and you're making kind of, man, what are the top storylines that I want? to look out for like what happens with the Patriots is definitely going to be up there for a lot of people yeah I mean they're 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 under the pressure because like like I said they've won so much they've been so good they've been so dominant they've they've won they've destroyed the AFC East and kind of cakewalk into you know the AFC championship and and, and Super Bowls and they've done it you know teeter-tottering on whatever you know on the gray line of cheating and doing you know the most or you know, doing what they need to do to win. And so now they're looking, everybody's waiting for the Patriots to fall on their face. Now what the Patriots are going to do, or assuming what they're going to do, if I know them correctly, is, you know, double back around and come back with a vengeance. And they're going to try to do it, do it a different way. Look, the pressure isn't necessarily on them because they, they the Patriots are, if not in football, they're probably the most dominant franchise ever. You know, right now, just thinking that's even, you know, when the Packers were really good and the Steelers, when you think of just longevity over 20 years, 49 around, I mean, you're talking about a team for 20 years that was dominating, okay? That every year the Super Bowl started and stopped with New England in in some part of the conversation. Um, And, you know, so they don't have anything else to prove. Now, what kind of puts a little bit more on it is that, 
you know, there was always that thing as success goes, you know, everybody started as, as success goes. So do the ego start to grow. Right. Belichick thought it was his coaching. Everybody was giving, you know, Tom Brady the credit or a lot of the credit. I mean, look, he's a handsome dude. He's a quarterback. So he gets probably more credit than he deserves. And when you're winning that much, it's all about Brady. It was kind of a match made in heaven. You got two guys that probably, you know, that really believe themselves. But I really, even out, even though when they're, they believe themselves so much, they truly work together. I think they lost a little bit of their way when Belichick kind of wanted, you know, Tom out of there. And you know that there was rumblings where, you know, Belichick was saying that, oh, he, you know, you know, he can get 15 other quarterbacks to do what Tom's done. And then Tom goes and wins the Super Bowl in the first year down in Tampa. That's all, that's really been the opposite of the Patriots for 20 years. It's been a pretty much, I wouldn't say a losing franchise, but Tampa Bay is, you know, before this year, even when they, even when, even though they won a Super Bowl with John Gruden, you, you, the first one of the first highlights they always show about Tampa Bay or with Tampa Bay is when they had Doug Williams and, and Steve Young cream and they, you know, the, the cream, the creamsicle orange uh, jerseys. And they had the coach, Rich McKay was like, you know, when he was mic'd up, was like, this is horrible. And, you know, he ended up quitting. That's what you see on NFL films or up until, you know, recently is on NFL film. So, um, you know, so Tom goes down there and takes like what he's learned from the Patriots and turns them into a winner and gets them. Now they're doing kind of the Patriot thing where you got guys maybe taking a little bit less on their deals and, and want to come back and see if they can make a Super Bowl run all while, you know, coming out of New England, they thought Tom was washed up. So um, there's a little bit of that too, because um, there, there was a little bit of a power struggle when you have the owner that loves Tom, knows how much money Tom has made him um, and made New England Patriots a, a worldwide, you know, respected franchise and opened up business opportunities for him from the money he's made to be able to have ownership in other leagues and teams, right? Um, versus, you know, a coach that where Bill Belichick has got there and he pretty much runs the show. He runs it all the way to who, you know, who's the janitor and, you know, he's got two or three of his kids on staff. So it was definitely a little bit, a bit of a power struggle. Um, but uh, New England is uh, they're going to be focused and everybody's going to be seeing how quickly they can turn it around. I would think that it'd be very hard for them to turn around and win it next year with all these different pieces, but I think they will be a factor. And the reason why is, is if Kansas City didn't have all the pieces that they have still in place, I would say New England would be one of the odds on favor just by coaching and the ability to you know win games and manufacture wins. Now, uh, with the deficit, what they have at quarterback and with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and some of the other guys in the AFC, um, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, one of those things that knowing it's not going to be overnight, but I think they're definitely going to be competitive and they're going to uh, surprise some people next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it'll be definitely like it's just weird to even think about them and what you did like the last thing you just said was that new england being able to surprise some people next year to even think of them that way um but it's a testament to them and how long that this run has been going that it can kind of ebb and flow and then they end up they could end up coming out on the back end being like kind of a cinderella-ish um type of story but that'll be definitely something to watch but speaking of cinderellas um i i know you've been watching the NCAA tournament this year has been crazy. Let's break that down. Like, <laughs> what a welcome back um, for the tournament this year. 
Like it's been extremely unpredictable. Um, it's been weird and wild. Um, Loyola Chicago um, getting things kicked off. I handled uh, my home state team, Illinois. Uh, we've had upsets by number 11 seed Syracuse, number 15 Oral Roberts, number 12 Oregon State knocked out um, Oklahoma State. I wanted to see Kay Cunningham play more, uh, but Oregon State had different uh, plans on that. Um, you're going to be – well like be forced to have another double digit seed advance on Monday. So by the time you hear this on Tuesday, there'll be another one because we got 11, 14 matchup with UCLA and Abilene Christian. And I think Ohio and Maryland are 13 and 10 seeds. So I guess like with this craziness, first, it's been great to have the tournament back and the people have been very excited to see it. Very bad for your brackets. Um, but what do you thought so far about the tournament and kind of all of the unpredictability that we've had so far? I like it. Um, you know, it's, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, um, you know, not having a tournament last year, um, you know, I think it's, you know, I was ready for anything. And, uh, you know, of course, right. I, picked, I think that's a lot of people. Picked, you know, I picked Illinois to win it. I thought that they had two lottery picks players. I think they're, I thought they were a tough team. I thought they played well. They had, they had played good competition, beat good competition all year. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you play teams, that either feel slighted or didn't, you know, you know, styles make fights. And I can tell you, look, Loyola, Chicago, a lot of those kids probably played against each other, not scared to play each other. And you, if you look at that, you look at that game, you look at Abilene Christian against Texas, you know, the, you know, the little brother, you know, stepping up to beat the big brother, not scared. And then when you got good guard play, you're always going to be in the game. And that's what it comes down to. Because when you look at the NCAA tournament, the teams that usually usually upset, and you think of the biggest upsets, you know, over time, right? You, you got to think of when, you know, CJ McCollum, you know, took his team in in upset Duke, right? It's guard yep. play, and you got to have guys that can put the ball in the hoop, can make threes, create their own shot, um, and that's what that. You look at Oral Roberts, right? You know, they got two really good scores. Those in their in their one's a guard, one's kind of a small forward, but they can do everything, and. So, you know, I liked it. Um, maybe not to this magnitude because my bracket has been busted. You know, Ooh. first it was Ohio State, you know, busting it up and then Illinois busted. I'm not even looking at my bracket anymore because it's done. Um, but it's definitely exciting. I'm definitely going to be tuned in. I'm, I'm, you know, excited for a lot of these teams. You know, like when you think of Maryland against Alabama, you think I like the way they play. I like to see Arkansas back in the day because – you know, when they had Nolan Richardson, you know, they were always they had been struggling for a while. So you see teams like that. You see Syracuse yesterday when they run that kind of two, three zone and kind of grind out an ugly win. It's a West Virginia team that people thought were going to be in the national title hunt at the beginning of the year. And they have, you know, a, a couple first round picks. So it's I like it. Um, and I also think it's 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 maybe and I say just maybe changing the landscape of college basketball and. To the, to the sense of, you know, when you think about this thing, let's just draw this back a little bit. When you think of Kentucky and Duke, right? Yep. The two teams that's always had numerous lottery picks every year. It's almost like every year they're, you know, for what it was Anthony Davis, Zion Williams, Williamson, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Both of them don't make the tournament. Both of them were horrible this year. And both of them got the brakes beat off them at times. And both of them at times were embarrassing, right? Those are two it's not even blue bloods. Those are just superior, generally basketball programs. Then you throw in, say, like a North Carolina, right? That had 
you know, has probably – they had three seven-footers, and you thought that they were going to be able to beat Wisconsin, and Wisconsin ends up molly-whopping them by, by 20, right? So – and then on the other side, a team that had been struggling and had been struggling for years that made a big run in the Big East was, the, the, you know, the Georgetown Hoyas they get in, even though they, you know, didn't play well in the tournament. So I like this year that you saw some teams that have been struggling, uh, been off the map, um, and they're back on now. And, and then it's uh, where, where you got people that uh, have been dominant are, are going to have to go back and retool. And I always say they actually have to coach. And so it's one of those things that I think is a, you know, a pretty good year. Yeah, it's funny because you, you, all of a sudden, you know, if you're, you're John Calipari, you realize, man, I can't just roll the ball out there anymore. Like, because all it takes um, is really one year where you kind of have that down year, and I think it was it was the worst season in like twenty some years that Kentucky had, right? And it was definitely I would think it's the worst season under him for sure. Um, and so you kind of have to regroup. And we were talking about um, in the last segment Belichick and kind of having that extra fire lit under him and that extra push. Like I wonder if that same thing happens for a guy like Coach Cal, um, who I've always been a big fan of. I, I really like Coach Cal. Um, I always wanted him to leave Kentucky to come coach the Lakers when they were struggling, just because I like him. Um, he might not be the best X's and O's guy. It just might be the best salesman and the best recruiter. Um, but we're going to see, right? Like, we're going to see going forward for them. But I also think it's, it's interesting to me that if you're a college basketball fan and you're close to, like, our age, right, there are certain teams that you are really happy to see back in the mix. Like like you said, Georgetown was a team um, that was just such a big deal for us growing up that it was nice to see them in the mix and make that run in the Big East tournament, even though they did not do well in the NCAA tournament. Arkansas United is another team like that. Um, I think it's kind of cool even to see UCLA um, still in the tournament hanging around because I can never for the life of me understand why they're not better um that's always weird and then sticking in the big 10 michigan is one of those teams right and they've been doing great with Jawan howard um we'll see them with a 1-8 matchup tonight against lsu see if they can be you know they're not the last hope i guess because he got more big 10 teams still hanging in there um but they're probably the best hope for the big 10 to be able to end this run that they've been on of not winning the whole thing even though the league has been so strong and so good um over these last few years so yeah there's a there's a ton of storylines and that's even before you get to what we started out talking about which is all of the upsets then i do think that you're on to something with kind of the changing of the guard in college basketball because it's almost it, it is a, a similar thing to college football for me well you know we're always talking about now like you don't have to go to like insert big uh, blue blood school here like Alabama LSU and football to be an NFL draft pick anymore like that doesn't you can you, if you can play and the NFL will find you um, and it's similar like that in basketball now you mentioned CJ McCollum coming from what Lehigh like if you can play we just saw the most recent example of this I guess was John Morant taking his team um, in a run and then getting picked in the top three of the draft like so that has been less of a fear or worry now for guys going into college if, if you can play the NBA will find you and what we're seeing is is if you're a really good player and you have another one on your team at like Abilene Christian like you can make a run in the NCAA tournament like the, the days are probably over especially in what this year was would be it being so weird where you know you you're that team and you're a 16 seed and you're just gonna get blown out by Duke or Kentucky or somebody like you can make a run like that now. Yeah, you can. And uh, um, 
you know, what the funny thing about it is when you look at it, you know, USC uh, has the guy that's maybe go number one uh, in, you know, in the draft where, you know, you never think of USC as a basketball school. And then, you, you like you said, Abilene Christian and all these guys, if you have a guy that can fill it up, you can make history. And I think that when you had the one, now I think it's kind of cool. You want to be that team. You want to be the underdog to come right. in and shock the world. And I think it's um, one of those things that people will remember you by once you get drafted. Uh, if you're you know, able to go on, you're able to actually maybe even go play overseas or something like that. But also I think that, it, it, you know, the three-point shot and the way that people play and the ability to shoot deep threes has really changed the game. And it also I think is conversely what what is not really, you know, coached a lot, whether it's the AAU and high school is defense. And so you have uh, – if you have some guys that, that can shoot it, control the game, get to the hoop, and uh you know create plays um you know it it can be a long game and then also i think that when teams are supposed are such a heavy favorite right when they start to play teams that are playing actually coming out there and playing then you see them get tight when you look back at that purdue game purdue looked like they played tight from the first four or five minutes of the game and they looked like they they were scared it wasn't you know pretty much scared the whole time and you can tell the the way they they're never comfortable and they were going through the motions. They weren't playing up to their, to, to their capabilities. And, um, you know, they end up obviously losing and you would never think if they played 10 times, you know, during a you know regular season, would that happen? It's funny things happen in the NCAA tournament styles make fights, but then also I think that it's starting to become more popular now, um, that, uh, you know, the lower seeds or their team, you know, they're looking at Abilene Christian. They're looking like, man, we're, you know, we're getting, we're getting snubbed at a 14 seed. You think Ohio is a 13 seed. And, you know, one of the things also where we go back and talk about schools that are actually starting to, you know, be good at sports that they're not known for. Uh, well, first of all, Colorado has never been known for anything, but look at them. They're a number five <laughs> seed and they're playing and they're playing. Uh, that's a little innocent jab against those Buffaloes up there. You, but, I see you. Right. <laughs> But then you, they're playing Florida State, right? And Florida State, you know, you, you think when Leonard Hamilton took it over, he took over a bottom feeder program and started to build it up and build it up, build it up. And now they're, you know, somewhat of a national powerhouse. So you got to give them, um, you know, some props. And, and so it, I think it's exciting. I think it's good for basketball. Um, you also, I will say, you know, you finally had a year where Kansas didn't win the Big 12. Baylor actually, you know, when they were supposed to win it, they did win it. Um, but then Kansas made a little bit of a run and they ended up a number three seed. So, you know, I think overall it, it's, it's one of the best scenarios that can happen for the NCAA, you know, having a tournament, but um, I'm sure they would rather have the big names in there, but I think it's going to bring more eyes to the, uh, you know, to watch. And also, I, I, you know, what else I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of, you know, you know, obviously I, I, I go back and forth. Would I rather have the games that are played today on Sunday, but I like a little bit of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, in that first week, you know, to, to get a little bit, you know, later games. Monday, uh, I prefer all the games to be a little bit later because, you know, there's an 11 o'clock game and then 1 o'clock, yeah, I'd like, you know, to continue on to the week. But, uh, you know, I think it's been, you know, a pretty good tournament so far as far as excitement and games that you have to watch, and they are definitely been no joke. I mean, these games have been coming down to the wire. There's been a couple blowouts. Obviously, Villanova do their thing last night against North Texas, but overall, it's been a pretty tight and exciting um, uh, uh, tournament.
Yeah, I think that it, it's funny because, you know, we I think we've talked about this a little bit on the show before about kind of how I, in general, don't like all of the upsets. I want to see the Blue Bloods, but in a season that we didn't even get some of the Blue Bloods in here, right? Like a few of them weren't even here. Um, and it just, I just think that there's something good this year about having kind of the chaos. Like, um, it, yeah, it's horrible for my bracket. Like I actually just looked at it for the first time since we started the thing. Um, my, my team that I picked Houston uh, to make a surprise run is still in it at least. Um, but otherwise that bracket uh, looks like a murder scene. So I, I probably won't look at it again until Houston gets eliminated. Um, but I do think that it's cool to have what we've had. And I think that the interest is still there. Plus, I think that in the end, and we'll see how it goes, because we could still get to, say, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and it's basically all the top seeds. But I think that it would be a little bit unfortunate if we have that, because then you basically just get to that and people are like, oh, here we go again. After all of that chaos, we still end up with just the top teams um, playing for, for the ultimate prize. So it would be nice if we could see a couple of these teams continue to make these runs, um, because it just I think it's just fitting for the year that college basketball has had this year yeah i mean it's it it would make it legit versus you get a you know one or two victory you know one or two like upsets and then you know they fall off so i'd like to see them make it you know one of them be there uh because i think there's some legit teams i mean i think they are for like they are for real i mean if you still sleeping on oral roberts you you in for a rude awakening i can tell you that right now they got some ballers And, and if you are sleeping on say like a arkansas which isn't like a, you, you know, what isn't necessarily an upset, but they haven't been around in a while. You, you're going to be sadly mistaken. I mean, or Roberts beat a, a really, really good Florida team and beat them, you know, you know, towards the end, like, like some champions. You think Oregon state is going to come up there and you think, cause they got ugly uniforms that you're, you're, you're going to just kind of, you know, sleepwalk through you, you in some trouble. And, and I'm not going to even talk about Loyola, uh, Chicago cause they, they, you know, they're legit. And they 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 built a program that's been, uh, you know, they've been building on winning, and so they're going to give you a you know run for your money. And there's plenty around here. I mean, you think even though Alabama was a number two seed, they're not a blue blood basketball school. They're new on no. the scene, so there's this this is all new to them, right? So they're trying to burst on the scene, and then they're you know they're playing Maryland, which I think they should be able to handle. But you got to think these, these, this is some big time stuff for you know college basketball and the, there's a lot of pressure on Gonzaga there's a lot of pressure on Baylor uh it's going to be you see you know what you know really the a team that's really under a lot of pressure in my opinion is Iowa because they you know they got the the, the nation's best player or the player of the year and you know are they really for real can they do it under pressure and can they live up to the hype it's going to be interesting to see and Oregon kind of is always there and they got the first round by so it's going to be interesting to see you know, is is the is the game off better for Oregon or is it better for Iowa to be in rhythm? Yeah, that'll it'll definitely that yeah, that'll definitely be something to watch. We need those Big Ten teams. If you're like, if all of a sudden you turn into you know root for the conference guy or girl, um, that definitely you we want to at least see Iowa hang around. Um, you know, people around here probably are not hoping for Iowa. Um, but every week uh, we end the show with our favorite segment um, called "Put Them on Blast," where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. I am actually going to stay in the NCAA. Uh, talking about the men's tournament, um, I have to. I gotta put the NCAA on blast for what they did to the women ballers. Um, if, I don't know if how you could have missed this. If you missed it, I will set the scene for you. Um, there were all sorts of pictures floating around of the men's setup for their weight room. 
also their swag bags that they got for being in the tournament and then the food set up, right? So all of the things that, you know, you come to kind of associate with being able to go to one of these tournaments. And then they contrasted that with what the women got. The weight room was the thing that I think caught fire and got the most attention. And that was awful. Like the men had like this palatial thing that looked amazing. And the women basically had something like they basically had the same amount of weights that I have at my house uh, for the entire tournament which is terrible. Then people started to see how they had, how the food setup was, and that was nowhere close. Um, and then the swag bags, which I think, I don't, it's hard to even rank which of these was the most offensive, but the swag bag thing was really bad, um, where they had like, it wasn't even half of the amount of stuff. It was like a fourth of the stuff, and it was like bad stuff at that. Um, then, because the NCAA, it's not enough for the NCAA ever to just do wrong and then kind of say, hey, we messed up. Like, let's try and figure out a way to fix this. They came out and went on like this PR apology. I'm putting air quotes, even though y'all can't see me, tour. And they basically made it worse. Where at one point, someone said that the difference in the weather between Indianapolis and San Antonio were the reasons that they got that different swag bag. Um, it was just a horrible look. The NCAA got dragged, um, rightfully so. Once again, I think Dick Sporting Goods um, stepped up and said that they would actually, they had the trucks ready. They would send the equipment out to the women if, if they wanted to, um, because they just, these high level elite athletes are just being done wrong. Um, and so for, for all of that, and, and always more, I got to put the NCAA on blast. Once again, I feel like they might have been in season one of this show, my leading contender of getting put on blast because they are always doing something wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's that, look, you hit that right on the, on the head. I mean, the funny thing is the only thing I will say, you know, they kind of went at the men's side of, you know, the NCAA, you know, for the tournament when actuality it was actually, the the women's side that actually is the one that sets up the, the you know where they stay and so I it's the NCAA in, in general they, they first of all it shouldn't even be any discrepancies you should just have this is when you go down there and you kind of like take the law of the land you know the lay you know is that this look what this is going to be the weight room this is the, when the times are going to be you know for each team and they know at this day and age women lift weights when they play sports they got to stay in shape they got to do all these different things, even though they're, you know, off site. So it's just bad planning. And anytime you make a mistake, it's probably better just to get out and just say, look, I messed up. We messed up. We'll do better. And we apologize and it never happened again. Instead of going around and try to find different reasons to do it, it wasn't a good look. And the more you talk, the more you look kind of guilty. And that's what they are. They just didn't plan well. And, and they, uh, the optics of it wasn't good. Uh, the effort wasn't good because it should have been done from the very beginning. So it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, and they had plenty of time. It wasn't like last year where maybe they delayed the NCAA tournament. I mean, they knew. Yeah. They didn't know that it was happening. They, or something. Yeah. They, they, they knew generally once football kicked, that kicked off, there was going to be an NCAA tournament. They kept saying it wasn't going to be the same. And so you should have had it. You had your ducks in a row. So it, it, it's just a, it's bad on them. And then hopefully they, uh, you know, they got to get their, you know, they got to stop being reactionary and be more in the forefront of making the right decisions. I feel like we say that, uh, like, it feels like weekly we say that about the NCAA, uh, but who are you putting on blast this week? 
Now I'm gonna put on blast just in general the these young cats that end up being that go to play professional sports. But one in particular is going to be Isaiah Wilson. And Isaiah Wilson was a big offensive tackle two years ago from Georgia. Uh, looked apart, went to the combine, had excellent interviews. Right, everybody's talking about oh he he wowed him in the interviews with these GMs. Right. Um, that's what got him up to the first round because his tape was okay, right? He's just a big, you know, he's a big guy, but he, he kind of was, you know, off and on. Um, and so the Tennessee Titans picked him in the first round. Um, he ended up having two bouts with COVID because he was breaking protocol. Then he got a DUI and essentially that was a red shirt year from him. All of a sudden you start to hear that he's showing immaturity. Well, just a couple months ago, it was, he knew how to pass the, the, the full test of going in there and, and fooling these guys are going to give you fooling them into giving you millions of dollars and drafting you. Well, the Tennessee Titans traded him to the Miami Dolphins. Well, lo and behold, the Miami Dolphins ended up waving him. Mind you that this is the opportunity for one to him to come and start a new situation. They traded for you. So you're going to get two or three chances. Well, he burned his two or three chances before he even got there. So he, he arrived hours late to his physical. He was late to the onboarding process. He skipped multiple optional workouts that he agreed to tend to on Thursday and Friday and declined the supportive service help that he was offered all in his first official week of the, of the team. In one week, he got fired when all he had to do was work out, show up, and take a physical. And then also what that supportive service means for you people out there, that they were actually going to have somebody pick him up most likely go into his apartment or where, you know, hotel and, and wake him up, probably feed him breakfast and take him to the stadium as a grown adult making millions of dollars or would be making millions of dollars and having a chance of a lifetime to continue with his NFL career. Now he has a reputation of what I said before. Now he's probably also forfeited his ability to get vested which is in retirement, which you never know when you need it and you never need, you, you never can have, have enough money on top of some of his guarantees might be vo voided due to a suspension with the Titans. So now he doesn't, he's not getting any more money and, and he might have to give back some money to the team that originally drafted him. I am putting him on blast because whoever his agent is, his advisors, his homeboys, confidants, you need to be a man enough and stop taking advantage of him and stop letting him, uh, you know, shoot or sink his uh, professional career down the toilet drain. Uh, because he wants to go around and acts like a like an imbecile. So I'm putting him on blast. And I'm putting whoever else is around him on blast, and whoever else is going to be next to uh, forfeit millions and millions of dollars because you want to go around and act like a bunch of idiots. Yeah, I mean that's that's very well deserved. I think that anytime, like I think it's hard for people to watch folks throw away opportunities like that, especially when if you want to do better, all the tools are there at your disposal. Um, you're just choosing not to. And that also means that the people around you are not either you are, it's the worst example where you're not listening to anyone or evil. I guess this might be even worse where people are just enabling that behavior around you, which could be the case. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of the things that it's whatever whatever it is. And look, the Tennessee Titans have given them plenty of opportunity. I mean, Rabel is kind of, you know, you know, said, hey, look, we'll go with you. And they, you know, they wanted, they needed him to start. And that's a legitimate playoff franchise that he that he was going to fit in and be able to be like their, their cornerstone. And so, you know, it's an opportunity that he squandered himself. 
and you can't be mad at anybody but him or he can't be mad at anybody but himself. And so it's just one of those things. It's unfortunate, but you also got to put these guys on blast because the excuses can't be, oh, well, this is this happened, this happened. And so give them a break. You've had a numerous amount of breaks and then you decided to can get yourself fired in one week in a new situation that they were going to give you, uh, you know, a new start. And, you know, from my experience and then also, as, as you know, is that there's, these opportunities come few and far between. Right. And when you're a first round pick, you get a lot more than say like, you know, a six or seventh round pick. And, and it, it, it seems like it wasn't important to him. And hopefully the reality hits him before his career is actually fully, you know, over and that door is shut and he can't get back into the NFL, i.e. like Jamarcus Russell, right? Mm-hmm. Tried to get back no matter what he did. It's that first impression was a lasting impression. So uh, hopefully he gets it right, but I still have to put him on blast, uh, even though uh, he, he might have a come to Jesus, uh, maybe hopefully sooner than later, but you just never know. All right, that will do it for us uh, today's episode and for season one of the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, though, everywhere you listen to them. Uh, rate us, review us, and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're also checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, the Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hill Varsity radio show. Also check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. Uh, and as another reminder, the show will be taken off next week, but I'll be back the following week uh, to keep the thing rolling. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Foreman5644. I will catch you in two weeks. A Media Production.